Praise God. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, expressed last night my sense of uh, uh, awe really at the privilege of being able to be here and understand that I've stepped into something very uh, holy in the uh, labors and the lives that are represented here and uh, I uh, hope uh, that, uh, you know, there, I'm making some contribution, but I, I know that I'm moved and uh, greatly challenged by your faith and faithfulness and, and uh, camaraderie and uh, unity and uh, uh, shared vision. And uh, I, uh, I'm honored to be here appreciating uh, the invitation of your pastor and his uh, graciousness and uh, so we're, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that we're a part of. Uh, the, uh, I don't know, before I arrived, if much has been mentioned about the recent tsunami that uh, took place in December. And, of course, there's been a great outflow of, uh, of uh, help, uh, financial help and material help that has been directed towards that need, but uh, there has been something that uh, the uh, workers, the aid workers are dealing with, is that there's been an overwhelming uh, releasing of finance, of, of material things that absolutely have nothing to do with the need. Uh, they're sending uh, like down jackets uh, to uh, these places and uh, thong underwear and uh, uh, all kinds of medication. They're sending Viagra. They're sending... Uh, uh, and what they're saying is, is that many of these doctors, they're just emptying out their sample cases and just dumping them and just... Uh, and it's not helping. It's actually hurting. Because rather than uh, being able to direct really beneficial medication, they're taking all this time uh, trying to work through all the irrelevant stuff and trying to find something usable. Well, what we, when you realize that, you're realizing that people are making, are, are giving not for the people, but for themselves. To be able to say, oh yes, I gave to the tsunami. Yeah, my office gave, or I gave, or our organization gave, with very little uh, interest or concern or understanding of whether that investment is making any impact at all. And I think that we can, ourselves, as those who are laboring for the cause of the gospel, sometimes can... Our, the investment of our lives, if we're not very careful, can become more about us 
than about the original need that was there that we first gave our lives to fill. Because this is such a prevalent problem in human nature, I believe that these uh, parables are here because uh, Jesus is really uh, trying to say something, not only to the people of his day, but down into our generation. And we're going to look at Luke 15, and we're going to begin at verse 1. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read the first two parables you'll just recall. There's the parable of the lost sheep, how the man went and left the ninety and nine in the wilderness and went to find the one. And then the next parable was the lost coin, how the woman lost the coin and got a candle and looked through her whole house to find the lost coin. And then there's the lost son, the prodigal son, who takes his inheritance and squanders that then comes to himself and returns. His father uh, throws a party. Uh, but I want to look at the elder brother uh, that we begin to read about in verse 25. Now his elder brother was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet, it was right, that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. I want us to uh, first think of the thought of being religious. We want to think that that's not us, <laughs> that we're, uh, we're not religious. But this, is, uh, this last parable talks about somebody who is out laboring in the field. That's us. We're the ones out laboring in the field. We, I hope particularly if you're a pastor today, you just didn't come in from a drunken binge the night before and you're, you know, you're the prodigal son. I know we got saved, but in light of identifying with characters, I think we're going to have to say that in this parable, the one that we would come closest to if we've been saved for more than a couple of days is the one who's laboring in the field. Now, this, these parables were triggered because 
sinners were coming to Jesus. Sinners are coming to Jesus. And the Pharisees are angry. They're murmuring and saying, this man receives sinners and he even eats with them. And so Jesus tells three parables to address this. And he talks about something being lost. And then after the thing is lost and is recovered, he says so that he goes to his neighbors and says, come and rejoice with me. Rejoice with me, because that which was lost is found. I've found the lost sheep. Rejoice with me. I found the lost coin. Rejoice with me. And in the final parable, there's rejoicing going on. And the father is entreating him. Come on in. Come in, come into the party. It, it's, it's fun in there. <laughs> See, what, who is the shepherd or the woman or the dad? Who does he represent? He represents God. Right? This is the, the parables. The first two say, and there is more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. It says there is joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents. See, what is being, what we are being invited into is heaven's joy. We're not just invited into some human being's joy, some pastor's joy or worker's joy or or some or a parent's joy and their lost son or daughter being restored. Uh, that uh, That's wonderful and that's great as far as it goes. But make no mistake, this is heaven's joy. God is saying... And we know by extension, he's saying to these people who labor in the field or are involved in religious expression and enterprise, rejoice with me. Share the joy of God. Share heaven's joy. Come and join in with heaven's joy. And when... And and so the first two parables, they don't say anything about whether anybody shows up or not. Right? They just say, come. But then he doesn't say if they came. Come, rejoice with me. It doesn't say that anybody came. But then in the third parable, it talks about how someone responded and was how the elder brother responded. And so by extension, we know that if he had described how the people responded to the first two parables, they would perhaps not have shown up either. It says the elder brother was angry and he didn't come in. 
See, here's somebody that is laboring in the field, but he cannot enter in to heaven's joy. Somebody who is laboring and he's been laboring long and he's been laboring hard, but he cannot share with the joy whose source is in heaven. The reason that he cannot do this is because he sees an injustice. He sees an injustice. In his mind, here's a man who has squandered his inheritance, insulted his father, right? Spent all of his money in wickedness and uncleanness and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and then comes back home, has the audacity to come back home and the father runs out to greet him, kisses him, puts a ring on his finger, a cloak on his back, shoes on his feet, and throws a party for him. Kills the fatted calf. Now, wait a minute. I've been around here a long time. And no... You've never done that. For, so, we, so let me get this straight. So you are rejoicing and blessing this undeserved life. And you are not expressing adequate appreciation for all that I have done. This isn't right. It's not right. It's not fair. And can we say that redemption isn't fair? <laughs> Redemption's not about fair. <laughs> Redemption's all about mercy. Okay, you don't want fair. Can I just tell you? You don't want fair. Okay, you don't want what you deserve. Okay, you, <laughs> you, we don't even want to go there. What we want, we want grace. We want heaps of it. We want it to abound to us. We don't want fair. But the fact is that this is where our hearts can go. It's not about what sinners and new believers wrestle with. It's about folks who have labored for some time And they look and they see how the rewards of life and how the injustices of life and the issues of life play out. And say, you know what? This isn't right. This just isn't right. I was reading about an 81-year-old Buddhist monk who was having some uh, trouble with his eyes and... So by mistake, when he was wanting to grab some eye drops, put some eye drops in his eyes to help his eyes a little bit, he grabbed super glue by mistake. (laughs) And uh, poor gentleman, 
super glued his eyes shut. You know, 18-year-old Buddhist monks don't do that, right? Because they can read the label. Uh, 81-year-old Buddhist monks do that. See, it's when you've been in the thing for a while sometimes that you have the hardest time seeing. And then you can make some choices that make it even harder to see. I can tell you the story has a happy ending. They did get his eyes open and he's fine. But uh, uh, just to illustrate that it's the sometimes the older we get, the longer we are monks uh, involved in the, the religious practice uh, that we can have the greatest trouble with our eyes. Now, I want to look secondly at the issues of the heart because though the man in our text perceived an injustice that this is just not right, just on its face. It's like I'm, I'm trying to be impartial here. I'm trying to be impartial. This is just not right. But he's not impartial, is he? We know He's not impartial. We know that uh, this injustice has triggered some things that are resident in his life and have been for some time. See, this isn't to say that there aren't reasons sometimes to wonder. We've all wondered about why God does some stuff and doesn't do other stuff. You know, you'd heal this person and this saint of God. You know, we've all, how come this person who I know is a creep is having revival and this guy who's, you know, Enoch and should be just taken straight up to heaven is having a hard time. We've all, can we be honest, we've all wrestled through some of those things. And that's not evil to just, you know, what we just... Scratch our heads. Some of us have been doing a lot of that, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's not evil and that's not wrong. But the problem is that sometimes then we can make issues out of those things. Life and death issues and destiny issues because of some things that are at work within us. You know, I... Uh, I preached this last Wednesday in my uh, church and I was thinking about, you know, recently this, uh, uh, some Italian folks were killed running through a checkpoint, you know, in, uh, in Iraq. And, and there's this great outrage that has taken place. And surely that's a tragic event. But the question remains is, you know what, that's happened to a lot of people. There's a bunch of Iraqis, many Iraqis that that's happened to. But nobody gets just another Iraqi, but an Italian. <laughs> Since when are Italians more valuable than Iraqi? You don't understand that sometimes people's issues, right? That that there are other things that are behind that. They're not outraged when it happens to somebody of another race, or they upset when it's one of their own. See, the text says, verse 28, 
that when the elder brother heard about this, he was angry. Now, the language here is that there had been the, the, the... the way the Greek reads, and this is what the commentators say, is that uh, this had been a long-term resentment that exploded over this issue. That's what's happening. So we have a clue here that it is not just this situation that made him mad. That he had actually been resenting the father for some time. There had been a growing resentment in this man's life. And verse 29 says, Though these many years... See, you know, as Pastor Fisher was saying tonight, you know, faithfulness is great. But faithfulness is not enough. There needs to be faith. And what this guy is is like faithfulness trumps everything else. If you're faithful... Then that's all that matters. And you know what? Sometimes folks, they just do this, maybe the right thing with a wrong heart for a long time. Sometimes, and that's what this guy was doing. He was doing the right thing with a wrong heart for a long time. There's some folks, and you know, some of you, maybe you've run into this in the military or in some bureaucracy. There's some person, they've just, they're just time servers. They're just putting their time in. They're just marking off the calendar. They're not trying to make the Amer- America a safer place. They're not, they're just there to put in their 25 years, and the moment they're done, they're out of there, and they're a burden to the system. They're, they're, they're not, uh, they're not helping. They're actually weighing down the vision of the reason the thing exists. You know, I come from Massachusetts, and we have the, the Department of Motor Vehicles is called the registry. And, uh, and every registry worker I ever dealt with, the whole time I lived back there, uh, as, when I was young, when I went back as a, to pastor, everyone's a demoniac, you know. It's like, the, you, you know, the most obnoxious people on earth. But, you know, they have this little position and they're just going to deal with you like you're a piece of dirt and uh, and doesn't make any difference because they're going to have their job no matter how they treat you. And, uh, you know, and we hate that. We say, well, they put in 25 years. Good. 25 miserable years treating people uh, miserably and making people's life miserable. That doesn't, that's no badge of honor. <laughs> That you spent 25 years making the human uh, human lives a more miserable experience. See, this man felt like just longevity, just in and of itself, meant something. No, it doesn't. If longevity is with some other things, then it's a wonderful thing. He says, though these many years have I served thee and... Again, the Greek word there is for the lowest type of slave. And when it's used of us to serve God, that's wonderful. But when, when he's using it, it's like he's really saying, I've slaved for you. Not that I've served you, it's been my honor. I've slaved for you. And what's a slave? Slave is somebody who's not getting what he deserves out of his efforts. Right? When you say, 
I've slaved for you. Meaning, I'm not getting, I don't get anything for what I do for you. And so here is it. So here's, I have slaved for you. All for these many years. And you know what? You wouldn't even give me a little kid so that I could have a party with my friends. There's a contrast here between a you know, long service and little kid. I served you so long, you won't even give me a little kid. See, it's a tough thing. We have to realize it's a tough thing to labor long term and not see the reward that you are anticipating and expecting. We all have been there. We've all had to wrestle that through. Long term disappointments. To perhaps feel that we haven't been adequately compensated for our labors. And you know what? We usually don't just start off blaming God. We will blame our pastor or fellowship or pastors in the area, you know, and, you know, somebody's, somebody's at fault because this is just our hearts. It's just human nature because we're not, we haven't seen what we thought we should see. When we see the less deserving, right? The less deserving being blessed in a way that the very deserving have not seen. Then comes the explosion. And it's going to just take something, right? Then something's going to happen. In this case, it's his younger brother coming home and dad throwing a party for him. That was the event. That's the thing that launched him. Could have been something else down the road, but this is the thing that launched him. The reason that he, he could not enter in to heaven's joy. There's music going on. That, the Greek word there is a symphonia. We get our word symphony from that. There's a symphony going on. There is a rejoicing going on. This is, a, this is such a glorious and wonderful event that, a, that salvation has uh, taken place. But he can't, he can't be brought in to that. See, heaven's joy is linked to saving sinners. That's heaven's joy. Heaven's joy is about people being saved. And you can rejoice that you've got a raise, and that's good. And you can rejoice... You know that uh, the attendance in your church bumped up a little bit, and we've all done it. You know, it's not evil; it's not wrong. But you know, but that's not heaven's joy. Heaven's joy is the salvation of lost souls. 
That's what heaven's joy is all about. And when we have a hard time laying hold of joy, of heaven's joy, it's because something's shifted or something's drifted. And you know what? We end up trying to get some joy in some other things, you know? Buy something. Go to Walmart and get some get some monetary joy, you know? Get a fix. Buy something. You know, eat something. <laughs> Sometimes that's the closest we get to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to close with one more thought that it's it's not about you. It's not about you. We were talking at lunch today and uh, uh, Pastor Chuck Haynes asked me what I've been reading lately and I've, uh, I'm reading a book. Uh, it's actually the autobiography of a guy named John G. Payton who was a missionary back in the 19th century toward, to what was called then the New Hebrides is now uh, Vanuatu. We have a worker there. Uh, and uh, this is one of the most uh, dramatic stories I've ever read. Uh, he may be the most heroic person I have ever read about. Um, uh, the first two missionaries that went to the New Hebrides, you know, I think they were from Scotland. After all their training, their theological training, their discipleship, their medical training, as I gave them, all the going around and raising money, the long, arduous trip, you know, four months to get from Scotland to the South Sea Islands, this is, you know, near Australia, up around through there, and you know, one foot touches the ground as they get off of the boat and both of them get run through with spears. They don't even have a chance to get their other foot out of the boat and they're done. So, a little bit later, uh, this man goes. He goes with his wife. Uh, they're there for about three weeks, uh, or maybe three months, maybe it was, and... Uh, uh, she uh, has a baby, she gets sick and dies, the baby gets sick and dies. Then, then these, these island folks, they start just killing missionaries. Just killing them and trying to kill this guy all the time. Trying to chop his head off, trying to shoot him, try, you know. They had this rock, this cut rock that they would throw at him all the time. And so it's like, you know, he's just, uh, his, he, he almost dies, almost gets killed, almost, he almost gets murdered about every week. And, you know, and then even like the white sailors that come through, uh, they, they, any sickness or how, yeah, it's because of those missionaries, you know, because they don't want, the island people getting converted, then they won't be buying the bad stuff from the white. Uh, and so uh, anytime somebody gets sick, they want to go kill a missionary. And so here, the, you know, this, this guy, uh, they, they cut off the heads of a missionary couple just a couple of miles from him. Uh, others uh, are, are murdered and all of this stuff happened. I'm just, this, and he stayed. That was the incredible thing, that he stayed. 
And he just kept preaching. And then people would get kind of sort of converted and then try and kill him. And, and then, but he stayed. And then they would steal everything. You know, if he'd go out to some, they'd steal everything that he owned. And, uh, you know, on and on and on and on it goes. And finally, they, they burned his whole place down. They, they, and he finally had to escape with his life. And after five years of missionaries being murdered, of his leaving his wife and child there, I mean, it's like there's nothing. He sailed away with one convert and, and, uh, and so, you know, and so he just, he had, why? You know, I mean, why? Was that, was that worth it? But he just said, God, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. I can, that's not one I can figure out. But what I do know is that people still need Jesus. And so he began to go, he landed in Australia and began to speak all through Australia about what he had gone through and all these resources start being raised for the gospel in these islands and these missionaries. These workers begin to rise up and uh, commit themselves and consecrate themselves to the harvest field. And he goes back to Scotland and speaks. And, and so, uh, and then and, and it, he realizes, you know, I, I don't understand everything, but I do know that I didn't have all the answers. And that out of what I've been through, all these missionaries have been raised up. And I haven't finished the book yet, but I think it says that somebody else goes to the island that he was at and they have revival there. The point is that where he kept his focus. See, we're not going to have, we're not going to get all the answers to why, 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 why not, why you know, we're not going to get all of those answers. We're not going to have all our issues addressed. But what we need to do is keep our eyes focused on the lost. That is what our calling is. See, these Pharisees, right, this all came about because the Pharisees said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, when you link that with the, uh, with the elder brother illustration, you realize what they're really saying is that he's eaten with them instead of eating with us. Right? If he, they're c- communicating if that elder brother is to represent them. He's eating with sinners and he's not eating with us. There's... Investment made in them and not without. He is blessing them with his presence, but he's not blessing us. He's saying they're important and we're not important. It says he refused to go in. He, he was angry and he wouldn't even go in. But you know what the wonderful thing is? Is that the father comes out to him. <coughs> This is the Father's heart here. 
right? He went out every day waiting for the prodigal son. And when he saw him afar off, he ran to him. He went to get his backslidden son. And he also went to get his religious son. He loved his religious son too. He loved his religious son, even though his son had some issues with him. He still loved him. And he went out to him. And he is entreating him. It's that Greek present that said he kept on. Come on. Come on in. Join, join in here. Don't let this thing pass. See, he wasn't angry with him. Because the guy didn't understand every issue in life. He wasn't angry with him because he had some questions in his mind about how the things work. He, it says son, but the word actually is technon. It, it's actually a, my little child. He uses a term of real endearment, a, a, of, of real affection when he talks to him. He says my son. See, it's wonderful to know that even when we're going through some crises in our ministry and in our minds, that our Father still loves us. <laughs> and, he's, and He's pulling for us. He is pulling for us to join in with heaven's joy. But see, what I notice from this is he says, my son, you're, you're ever with me. Like, isn't that enough? I mean, you're talking about a kid, but you've had your dad. <laughs> Which do you like more? Kids. And we're talking about <laughs> little calves. You want little cows? Or do you like your dad? Cows or dad? Which is it? But he's, you know, and he says, you know what? All that I have, all that I have is yours. But you know, he doesn't address, say, you know what? Your heart's not right, dude. You got some attitude problems. You got some resentment issues. You got some other. All he says, it was right. Because your brother was dead and now he's alive. He's lost. He was lost and now he's found. In other words, son, it's not about you. It's not about you and all your issues. It's not about all your questions. It's not about your rewards and whether you're getting adequate compensation for your sacrifices. You know what? It is not about any of that. You know what it's about? It's about the lost. It's about the lost. It's not about me. It's about the lost. It's not about you. It's about the lost. And to the religious mind, that's very unfair. 
it's very unfair because we're the ones who have been laboring and paying the price and sacrifice and we want to see adequate compensation for what we've done. But that's not the issue. The issue is the lost. The issue is there are people that are perishing for all eternity. They are going to burn in a lake of fire that burns forever and ever and ever and ever. They will be lost without hope in agony and anguish for all eternity that we can't even measure with our minds. It is the imponderable. And compared to that, you know what? Our issues are irrelevant. It's not that they, things can't be addressed and God can't show us stuff, but they cannot be allowed. Listen to me. If you don't remember anything about tonight, they just cannot be allowed to take our focus off of the lost. You don't, whatever is happening or not happening in your church, remember the lost. However long you've been there, not been there, remember the lost. Whether you've been able to quit your job or not quit your job, remember the lost. Whether you've lost some people recently or gained some people recently, the issue is the lost. It is always, always, always about the lost. It's not about your destiny. It's about the lost. Like, what about my destiny? What about it? What matters is the lost. And if you'll pursue the lost, you'll end up stumbling into your destiny. But if you're going to try and pursue your destiny to the neglect of the lost, you'll never find it. You might get a, a career, but you won't get destiny. It's all about the lost. See, I'm going to just add a little word. I know you're not supposed to add the, to the Bible, but let's just... You don't have to believe it. Is that fair? (laughs) The Father, we could perhaps add the phrase at the end. You know, He says, you know what, Son, Thou art ever with me. And all that I have is Thine. Just not now. Just not now. Can I add those three words? That, That inheritance was going to be for another day. It was all there. Everything. Everything. I mean, blessing that he couldn't even imagine. Reward that he couldn't imagine. It's just not today, man. Today's not about you. Today's about the lost. Your day is coming. Your day is coming and it's going to be such a glorious reward. You're going to be ashamed that God rewarded you so much compared to what you did. He's going to embarrass you with reward. He's, you, he's, oh, no, Lord, not enough. enough. You know, He's going to compensate you so much for what you did. But it's not now. Right now, it's about the lost. It's not about reward now. It's about the lost. It's not about your issues now. It's about the lost. 
just close with this one story. We have a, an evangelist that ministers out of our church, Rick Mason. He and I were driving to the uh, Pioneer Rally in Chandler a week ago, a week, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. And, and so, you know, he's, he talks with different evangelists and he was uh, talking with this one uh, evangelist out of Prescott, you know, and was sharing a story with him. He said, yeah, yeah, I went for this pastor and uh, he really burned me. He, uh, he really ripped me off. He didn't, uh, he didn't fulfill his word. He didn't do what we do. And, uh, and so, you know what? So the guy called again and wanted me to come for him again. <laughs> so I went to Pastor Mitchell and I said, you know what? This guy really burned me the last time I went. So I'm not going for him again. And so Pastor Mitchell said, okay, you can do that. But what about the people? Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I get into this. Thing, right? You know, what about the people? I, Oh yeah. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, I, I've been. That's that's all I think about. Is uh... see, isn't it? I mean, isn't so automatic that it becomes about us? And he, this guy's not asking for you know two million dollar love offerings and all the you know red M and M's taken out of the M and M bowl in his motel room. He's not you know he's not asking for it. Just you know just basic stuff. This is a good man, but. It just is it so quick to become about us. And it's not about us. It's not about a jerk pastor. It's not about an aggrieved evangelist. What is it about? It's about people. It's not about us. And we shut ourselves off from heaven's joy. Heaven's joy in seeing people saved. And you know what? Even rejoicing when they get saved someplace else. Even the brother that we're jealous of, you know, but that we can rejoice in that and rejoice. So you see a world evangelism video and that brings joy, right? It brings joy. If it doesn't, then maybe you've got elder brother disease. But I have good news for you tonight. The Father's here for you tonight. He's, he's tugging on your sleeve. He's saying, come on in. Don't, don't be like this. <laughs> don't be like that. Come on in. What matters is that your brother was lost. And now he's found. And all the other considerations, that's for another day. All that I have is yours. Everything. Just not today. Today, it's about the lost. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We're asking that no one would look around or move around just for a few moments. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're lost. 
can tell you that all that we're about and all that we are is about you. We are here for lost souls. All that we do is about the lost. We're not trying to build big churches. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves in the denominational world. We're not trying to elevate a human personality or a program. We're about the lost. We're about you. Tonight, Jesus' heart is toward you before it is toward anyone else in this building because you are the focus of his concern. He came to earth, became a man. The Son of God became a man and died shedding his blood so that you could be redeemed. He rose from the dead. He's alive and he'll come into your heart by the Holy Spirit and break sin's power within you and make you a brand new person on the inside. You're here, you're not saved, you're lost. You're lost on your way to perish for eternity. Jesus wants to save you tonight. You'd lift up your hand. Well, everyone's head is bowed and everyone's eyes are closed. Lift up your hands. They pray for me. I'm lost. I'm not saved. If Jesus were to come tonight, I would not go with him. I would be left to suffer the wrath of God poured out upon the earth. Or if I were to perish tonight, if I were to die, I would go right into hell. You're lost. Jesus wants to save you. You'd lift up your hand quickly, lift it up and drop it right back down. Backslider, maybe at one time you made a decision for Jesus, but now you're backslidden. You're away from God. You'd lift up your hand nice and high where I can see it and then drop it right back down. Yes, I see this hand. God love you. How many others would lift a hand and say, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come back to God. Changing our appeal just for a moment. I'm talking to folks who have been laboring in the field. Laboring faithfully long term. With that, there comes tremendous blessing, God's reward of faithfulness. But there's also the danger that in the passing of time when we don't see what we anticipated seeing, then our life becomes the issue. Then we become the issue. And we're not the issue. The lost is the issue. Well, I know sometimes there are decisions about redirections and, and uh, new opportunities. I'm not talking about there are time to make switches like that and, you, and they, with your pastor's guidance, God's opening doors, what I'm talking about is, is just you taking the measure of your life. 
you say, hey, this is, uh, this didn't work out for me. This didn't work out for me. Have you been seeking to reach the lost? Have you been trying to reach the lost? That's what God's into. That's what God honors. And you know what? All that God has is yours. May not all come today, but it's yours. The important thing is that this Christian life doesn't become about me, and it doesn't become about you. It doesn't fall into comparison. It doesn't fall into jealousy and envy. It doesn't fall into resentment and bitterness and the sense of injustice and outrage and, and where issues that... Uh, there'll always be imperfections. There'll always be people and jerks who get blessed and holy, wonderful people that don't, we don't see them blessed. There'll, there'll always be things. There'll, you'll see pastors make calls that on the surface don't seem fair to you. And maybe sometimes they're not. And it is not as if there aren't processes to deal with authentic injustices. But that's not this sermon. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your heart becoming so consumed with your issues that you've got super glue in your eyes. And you can't see the lost anymore. That the Father can no longer draw you into heaven's joy. He can no longer entreat you to be part of the joy of heaven. It's time to come before God in repentance and surrender and a surrender to a vision to reach the lost. We're not going to get all the answers to life, but I t will tell you the shortest path to some of the answers of life is the path to the lost. Pursue souls. Pursue the lost. Pursue those that are perishing. Those that are dying without Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the same lost. The ones that tear up the tracks. Yeah, the ones that uh, cuss you out. Yeah, the ones who won't answer the door when you go door to door. Yeah, that's them. So we understand each other. Yeah, those are they. But that's what we're called to do, is to reach the lost. And if you'll keep your focus there, God will work out the issues of life. He'll work those things out. Just don't allow your issues to obscure your eyes, to obscure the larger issue, which is that Jesus shed his blood for perishing sinners. Jesus receives sinners. That's what he came to do. And the irony is that these religious people were fighting the very thing that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. We're the 90 and 9 and we want mine. I'm one of the 90 and 9 and I want mine. 
God says, all I have is yours. It's not today. Today, it's about the lost. You go back to your cities. Remember the lost. Leave the theological disputations for eternity. Remember the lost. How many has God spoken to today to focus your vision on the lost? Yes, you'd lift up your hand. I am going to go back to my city. And I'm not going to be consumed with my attendance, with my offerings, with whether I get invited to preach anywhere, whether my church likes me or doesn't like me. I'm going to love those people and feed those people and care for them. I'm going to remember the lost. I am going to remember the lost. Yes, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. It becomes about, uh, it so easily becomes all about us. So easily. Just like that, the story of that evangelist. But if any one of us, maybe we're in Pastor Mitchell's place, we say, yeah, no problem, man. Don't go for the guy. He'll learn his lesson. Nobody will go for him. You know, I'm sure that's what I would have said. Thank God I'm not in charge of this thing. Thank God that the man who is in charge of this thing said, yeah, you can do that. But what about the people? What about the people? It's not about you. It's not about that pastor. It's about them. We're gonna, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And if you raise your hand to be saved... Or come back to the Lord. I want you to lift your head and look me in the eye. You raise your hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. Look up at me. So I'm standing here on the platform. God wants to help you tonight. You look up at me. Sinner, backslider, the Lord bless you. We're going to stand in a moment and sing. You are my strength when I am weak. You raise your hand. You come and find a place to pray. Let's get the super glue out of our eyes tonight. Thank God. Thank God that Lord bless you tonight. You can be seated. Uh, Just before we turn the...